At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Loretta Messinger to talk about her experience with aquaponics. Loretta lives with her husband and two children in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of North Central Texas. Having been gardening for most of her adult life, she became intrigued with the urban homestead movement and is now on a mission to transform her little piece of the busy city into a thriving homestead. Her passion was fueled even more when she discovered aquaponics and learned that she could combine her love of gardening with one of her favorite things, fish. Raising delicious tilapia in her aquaponic system only fed the fire, and now their little homestead includes a small flock of laying hens with plans to add meat rabbits in the fall. Welcome to the show today, Loretta. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So I just shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, I kind of became disenchanted with our food system as it is now, Um, not really knowing what goes into my food, and I had a desire to grow my own healthy food that I could provide to my family, uh, particularly my elderly mother. I wanted to make sure they had healthy, nutritious food that I I knew where it came from, Uh so I decided to expand my garden, kind of got involved in this urban homestead movement, and quite by accident found an article on the internet about aquaponics. I'd oh. never heard of it before, 
but the more I researched it, I just became completely intrigued by being able to grow fish and plants together. Mm-hmm. The more I read about it, I decided I had to do it. So in 2012, my husband and I built our first system, and we were thrilled with the success that we had. And we decided to expand and make it bigger and now I've decided that eventually I really want to have a commercial aquaponics system or oh. aquaponics farm of my own. It's yeah. a wonderful way to, to grow vegetables. I still have my soil garden. I love getting dirt under my fingernails, uh-huh. but I, I really do enjoy the uh, this aspect. Um, the aquaponics led to backyard chickens, which hopefully will eventually lead to other um, backyard things. So right. we're very excited about what we're doing here and about what the future holds for our little homestead. Fantastic. So tell us about your little homestead. If I were to stand on the curb out in front of your house, what would I see? Nothing. It's all in the backyard. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> we, have a, we have a greenhouse in the backyard that houses our aquaponics system. Uh-huh. Uh, we have 10 raised beds in our soil garden. And then we have a small flock of laying hens um, and a couple of oak trees. We have plans to put in peach trees and lemon tree uh-huh. and a what is the other one out there? A Meyer lemon. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I don't remember. <laughs> That's all right. It happens. No problem. But yeah. if, uh, this fall, when the weather cools off, it's very hot here this oh, time of yes. summer. So yep. any kind of animal that has a lot of fur struggles in the Texas heat. So this fall, when it cools off a little bit, we plan on adding uh, meat rabbits and have even considered uh, maybe raising quail. And oh. we've heard that they do very well. So oh, yes. We, quail do really well in the heat. It's the gamble quails that, yeah. Yeah, and luckily here in the Metroplex, there's a lot of feed stores. We have access to where we can get, you know, quail eggs and that sort of thing. We we do have a lot of resources to start. So it's really been an an exciting adventure. Every new thing that we add spurs us on to want to add something more. And I've decided I really need to move out to the country somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I can have cows and goats and and, uh, a bigger flock of chickens. Yeah, exactly. Well, here at the Urban Farm, it's a third of an acre right smack in the middle of Phoenix. So if you stand on wow. the roof, you, you can look 50 miles in every direction and there's houses, you know, yeah, in cities. It so It's like that here, too. We live in a, in a, the last count I heard, we had more than 5 million people here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So yeah. there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're at 4.4 million here. So how, wow. how big is your property? Uh, we have sit on a typical city um, quarter acre. Mm. Uh, we sit at the end of a cul-de-sac, so oh, the way nice. our home is positioned, it's kind of, imagine a baseball diamond, the mm-hmm. house sits at home base, and outfield is our backyard. So oh, we do have nice. a, a, a larger than the normal backyard, which yeah. is the way we're positioned. Right, exactly. I was, mm-hmm. at, I was at Jake Mace's Longevity Gardens here earlier today. Uh, and he's got the same thing. He's got this teeny little backyard, and you walk into this baseball field in his backyard, so you can do so much nice stuff back there. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, one of the biggest uh, features of the house that we really liked when we bought it. Beautiful. So tell me about your greenhouse. We have a, I think it's about 14 feet wide uh-huh. and about 20 feet long. Wow. Uh, it's kind of a quarter circle, not your typical hoop house. It's mm-hmm. a straight wall on one side and oh, right. quarter arch. That houses our aquaponics system. Uh, we just put that up last year, so we're into our second year of that. We just we enjoyed growing in the aquaponics system so much, we really wanted to be able to grow all year. So we relocated that from the more easterly side of our yard to the southern side. Oh, yes. So that we could take advantage of the solar heating in yep. the summer. 
Yeah. And it's, it's really been wonderful. In the summer, it gets a little hot in there. We have to put a shade cloth over the top. Right. Um, but next year, we do have plans to add in an evaporative cooling wall so that we can um, reduce the heat in the greenhouse and be able to grow lettuces and, you know, cooler weather type oh, vegetables. Yeah. Throughout will, the summer as well. That will make a huge difference for you, putting yes. a wet wall yes. in your greenhouse. Absolutely. Yes. So tell us about your aquaponic system. Um, we started out with a, a smaller system, about 500 gallons. Uh-huh. And once we moved it to the south side of the yard, we increased that. We have about a 300-gallon tank that the fish live in. We have what they call a deep water culture bread, which is um, basically it's just the, the plant's sit in small cups that float on a raft inside of the system with their roots um, submerged down in the water. Uh-huh. Um, we grow all of our lettuces and type, different types of greens and such in there and some basil. And we have what's called a media bed. We have two of those that we grow our climbing plants in, plants like tomatoes that need a, a bigger root structure, something more to grab a hold of. Uh, so we do tomatoes and cucumbers and cantaloupes and those types of things in our media beds. And then uh, last year, we decided to experiment with what they call Dutch buckets. It's basically like a mini media bed. Right. um, And that is fed through a small drip line that's a continuous drip feed into the bed and into each box. And then it drains out into into our sump tank, which is just another large container of water that we have partially buried in the ground. Having that extra water, you know, kind of regulates the flow of water in the system so the fish tank doesn't drop down too low and it kind of helps stabilize the water chemistry. Uh, So we've really got a lot going on in there right now. We plan to eventually take out the Dutch buckets. That was an experiment. It worked for a while. Not my favorite thing. So we're probably going to take those out and put in another long, like a media bed trough. And uh, we'd like to add zip towers. That's a way that you can grow vertically and take advantage of more of your unused space in your greenhouse. And we'd like to do, um, it's kind of like a vertical wicking bed. Oh, yes. It's basically channels that act as a wicking bed that we want to try growing strawberries in next year. So there's a lot of different, there's so many different things being experimented with and technologies developed and as many different ways as there are to grow in the ground, there are to grow aquaponically. So there's always new things to try. So we're always experimenting with something different and adding on to the system. And and eventually we'll probably expand our greenhouse too. We're running out of room. (laughs) Of course. Of course, we get into this and, you know, I, I have a third of an acre here in central Phoenix and it's like, man, I need more dirt. Yes, <laughs> you need an aquaponic system. Yeah. Then you don't need more dirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So a couple of things. First of all, I want to step back. For those mm-hmm. listeners that have no idea what aquaponics is, tell them. Aquaponics is basically a way of farming to raise fish or other aquatic animals with plants in a closed system. So the fish provide the waste that is converted by bacterial colonies that live in the system. They take that waste, they break it down and convert it into nitrate, Uh which is a form of readily available fertilizer for the plants. In turn, the plants clean out all of the things in the water that are bad for the fish. So the fish fish provide the fuel that drives the system, and then the plants clean the water for the fish. Really, the heart of the engine is the bacteria. But in, instead of just being able to grow plants like you would in a soil garden, you also have the added benefit of growing fish. And 
you can grow any kind of fish. We started right. with goldfish because little feeder goldfish at the fish store are cheap. Right, <laughs> and if exactly. they die, you don't feel so bad. Yeah. Uh, once, once we got our system cycled, we decided to add fish that we can actually eat. So we started growing tilapia. Uh-huh. And in about nine months, we were able to grow these small little tilapia. They were about two inches long when we bought them out to one and a half pound fish wow. that we were able to harvest and eat. And they were just absolutely delicious. And we knew what went into them. And it, it was just amazing to be able to do that and eat what you grow in your backyard and yeah. be able to have these amazing nutrient-dense um, plants to go with them. Yeah. So you've actually grown out tilapia and eaten them then? Yes. Yes, so, we have. So during that same time in the process, did you say, you know, I wonder what it would take to have an entire meal come out of our yard? <laughs> That was the whole idea, and it's really, really been wonderful to be able to go out there and harvest our fish and know that everything that we cooked that's on our plate yeah. came from our backyard. So It's very exciting. Yeah. Tell me about what that was like when you're sitting there. So let me paint the picture. You've harvested fish. You've harvested vegetables, maybe some fruits, and you've gone into the kitchen with your family. You've prepared this all into an absolutely incredible meal. By the way, I'm getting chills right now sharing this. <laughs> you're making my mouth water. Yeah, I know. And, and you end up there and it's sitting in front of you you have this plate of absolutely amazing nutrient dense food sitting in front of you tell me what's that like it's you look at the plate and you're like i made this with my own hands with my own time with my own sweat equity i grew this in my backyard i know there's no pesticides in it uh-huh. i know it didn't take gallons of gasoline to be tra- trucked in from halfway across the country i know what's in it i know where it came from and just You know, life began in a garden, and to be able to go into the garden and and see the miracle of life evolve and go from this tiny little seed I planted into ground or this tiny little baby fish I put in my system and be able to be turned into something that can nourish my family, there really is no greater feeling than knowing that, you know, that you have children to take care of them, to send them off into the world healthy and strong and productive mm-hmm. and knowing that that this that I did in my backyard helps to achieve that and yeah. helps to heal my mother from the health problems that she's having and make her strong again it's just I can't think of anything better than I could do for my family for yeah. their health than yeah. that uh, and it's just so gratifying yeah so gratifying. well I say I I actually believe that the, the act of growing the food, harvesting the food, preparing it, makes the, just the act of doing that makes that food better for us. I believe that. I yeah. believe that. So yeah. much love goes into it. Right. You know, I, I, I'm 55 years old, and I went back to school late in life. I went back and got my a master's, a bachelor's and a master's in, in, from 1999 to 2006. And there was this restaurant uh, that I used to go at Arizona State University and I'd have lunch and one day I, I, I remember this vividly one day I was in line watching them prepare the food for me that I was about ready to eat and they were literally slopping it mm-hmm. on the plate and I had this realization at that moment like wow how we prepare our food and really how we prepare our food system Mm-hmm. is a direct it directly correlates to our health the health of our culture our happiness and have you found that yes yes 
I have. You just you put, pour so much of yourself into it. There's the people that are preparing that in the restaurant and serving it. They they didn't have anything to do with yeah. with that food, with bringing it into existence. So when you grow it yourself and you bring it in and you wash it, I mean, there's a relationship with that food, with knowing where it came from. Even the fish, it's it's the same thing with people who hunt and bring yeah. in their own food. You have a relationship with it that you can't have any other way. And it's just, you know, to do that and, and to prepare it and to serve it to your family, it is an act of love. It's an yeah. act of service to them yeah. that I don't believe you can get any other way. That's a gift from God if I ever saw one. It, yes, it absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. So how did you first get started in aquaponics? Like, tell me that story. Well, like I said, I found, uh, found the article on the Internet I was thrilled about it. For a year, I tried to convince my husband, we need to do this. (laughs) This is really exciting. He was in a job that he was so stressed out on, and Mm. he really just had no interest at all in adding one more thing to our plate. And I'm like, you really got to take this out. It's amazing. We have to try this. And finally, he was able to have some time away from work for a while, and he started researching. He's like, this is really neat. We have to try this. And so uh, when he had the extra time, you know, we – he, more than I, literally watched probably hundreds of hours of videos on YouTube to see what other people were doing, reading the articles, oh, you know, yes. just finding out there's so many, you know, little things you can be as elaborate as you want to be or have it as simple as you want to be. And, you know, we wanted to know it all as much as we could find out. There wasn't, you know, really a school here. You, you know, there's not a college here where you can go to school and get a degree in aquaponics. So right. we had to do it on our own. So about a year later is in 2012 is when he really is like, okay, we got to do this. I get it. <laughs> so, um, you know, mainly while I was at work and he was at home, he bought everything that we needed. We built it from scratch, from the ground up, you know, on a very limited budget at the time. We were a one-income family at the time. We didn't have a lot to spend on it, but we knew that what we did spend on it was going to be worth it. We just knew it. And so, you know, we built everything ourselves. There are fantastic kits that you can buy. We didn't have the luxury at the time. So we learned what we could learn off the internet we made a few mistakes along the way we we you know corrected them especially when we upgraded our system and added on to it you know we knew what we didn't want to do with the new system right but that was how we got started and we you know we planted tomatoes and hot cherry peppers and we planted eggplant that really did amazingly well cantaloupe anything that we could squeeze in to basically it was about a four by Three and a half or four foot by five foot top. We took the, an IBT, IBC tote, which yep. I don't know if most people know what that is. We cut the top of it off. The bottom part became our fish tank, and we flipped the top part over, and that became our media bed. So everything nice. that we could cram into that one little media bed, and it was overflowing. I believe one of the pictures that I sent to you, you can see everything's just flowing out over the top of it. It really was like a cornucopia full of all these different vegetables, and we were just amazed at how delicious they were, how healthy they were. Not one bit of pesticide went on anything. Um, and then in our in our float bed, we grew lettuce and watercress and kale and anything at all that we could grow in there that could, you know, work in the float raft. All that we did while we still had our soil garden. And so it was like this perfect combination of both types. And we just really loved it. And I don't think I will ever garden without aquaponics. Like I said, I'll never give up my soil garden, but I really don't think I'd ever give up the aquaponics either. It yeah. really just is a fascinating way to grow food. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, and it works. 
It does work. It, it works. works exceptionally well. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you live in an apartment, if you have no backyard at all. There are small little systems you can set up on your aquarium. You don't even have to have dirt to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I know a guy who he, he put his system on a cement pad to prove you don't have to have dirt to grow yeah. vegetables. Yeah. But uh, it really has just been a joy to do. Beautiful. So what types of fish and plants have you had success with in your system? Um, we've grown a lot of different types of fish in our system. Like I said, we started with goldfish. Uh-huh. Just in case we killed them, we weren't out in too much money. Um, we had great success with the tilapia. and uh, We purchased about 25 two- to three-inch uh, fry from a local um, company that had them here. Nice. And put those in our system. Within about nine months, we were able to harvest, you know, one-and-a-half-pound fish out That's of that. That's amazing. That were delicious. And we noticed um, that the fish started breeding. They are very prolific breeders. Oh, yes, that they are. So our 25 turned into 100. Yep. <laughs> turned into, we started noticing when the females had the eggs in her mouth and when they were about ready to release the babies, we started bringing, you know, putting them in a bucket and we would bring the babies inside and we started raising them in the house. We'd gradually moved them from a small tank to a bigger tank to a bigger tank as they as we grew them out and got them big enough to put back out into the system the only drawback to those is they <laughs> don't like cold water exactly. so we had to bring them all into the house into fish tanks whenever uh, whenever it got cold so we could overwinter them here the goldfish however don't mind right. um but we also had some success with uh bluegill which is a type of perch that lives here in yeah. texas I don't know if you're supposed to do this, but we caught a few at the lake, and we brought them home, and we put them in our system, and they did remarkably well. took them a little bit of time to get used to the pellets we were feeding them, but we had very good success with them, too. And we'd really like to eventually you know, try adding catfish or something like that, um, something else that's, that's local to this area that can withstand um, overwintering yeah. out in the tank. Yeah. Um, as far as plants go, we really have had tremendous success with cucumbers, in particular uh, the English cucumbers. They're fantastic, they're so good. We've grown cantaloupe the size of a basketball that are just so sweet and so juicy. Tomatoes, absolutely love it. Anything that requires a lot of nutrients, like tomatoes, loves the system because Mm -hmm. their roots are continually being bathed in this nutrient-rich water. There's no having to reach down deep into the dirt to find what they need. It's just right there. Basil grows amazingly well in the aquaponics system. We had our basil plants in these little small two-inch net cups that we tuck down into the float raft. The basil stems were as big as the net cups when we finally harvested them. Oh, my them. gosh, and We had to really? take them out. They were taking over. They were amazing. Wow. They were huge and just really delicious. Um, we've had excellent luck with mint, although it will take over your system. Oh, yes, it will. You cannot put that in the media bed, fetch <laughs> bucket or in your float system where you yeah. can cut the roots off. Yeah. But we really, everything that we've grown, we really have had um, success with except watermelon. Oh, interesting. We were really surprised. Yeah. It, I don't know if we did something wrong. Um, it just really didn't do well in our system. And this year we tried to plant, we started nasturtiums from seed yep. and then put the seedlings into the system, hoping to grow those out because they're edible. Um, I think we may start it a little too late. They didn't like the Texas heat very well. Oh, but yeah. we will try that again as the weather starts to cool yeah. off. Nasturtiums? Really I'm sorry? Yeah, we're, we're here in, I just want to throw this in. We're here in Phoenix, Arizona, so it sounds to me it's similar. And the mm-hmm. nasturtiums start growing in mm-hmm. November, December. Okay. And um, I, if, it, if it's going to freeze, I cover them. 
but then they thrive through May. Really? Yeah. Well, we just planted them at the wrong time then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another one of those experiments that, oh, what's exactly. that oh, look at these. These seeds look interesting. Let's try these. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. But we really haven't had, we really have had excellent luck with most of, with most everything that we've yeah. planted. So. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. Uh, well, in our little urban farm, urban backyard farm, we have we have had a couple of large failures uh, in the aquaponics system. We learned very quickly that if you forget to turn the water off when you're refilling your sump tank, <laughs> Oops. all of that chlorine is very bad for the fish, which oh, we yeah. knew. We woke up the next morning to find our entire stock of fish oh. dead. Um, luckily, they had only been dead a short time, so we were able to harvest most of them. We had a great fish fry that night. Oh, yeah. What we couldn't eat, the goldfish and the smaller fish, we put into our raised beds out in the soil garden as fertilizer. Yeah. So that was a, that was a very bad mistake. Uh, luckily, the plants can live without the fish for a while, and you know, thankfully, we did have some fish that we were growing out inside, so it was a, wasn't a completely devastating loss. Once we were able to, we had to put a few goldfish in there in the interim, and then we were able to move some tilapia back out there. But that, right. surprisingly, I've talked to quite a few aquaponics uh, enthusiasts who have suffered that same failure. Yeah. <laughs> so, note to self, if you ever try aquaponics, turn the water off. <laughs> yeah, and, so uh, bef- before you go on from that one, I, I have something to share. So, this is something that people don't know or they don't think about. It's not in, you know, kind of in our sphere of knowledge, and that mm-hmm. is chlorine in our water. It's great to clean the water, but when, right. it com- when it comes to our house, it's really bad. It's an environmental toxin for us. Yes, and yes it is. So I've actually designed a couple of things. I have a, a, a spigot filter, uh, mm-hmm. and I can send you plans for this. Anybody that's interested, Greg at, Ur- oh, Greg at urbanfarm.org, send me a, a note, and I'll send you plans on how to do, do one yourself. They're really simple, and it takes the chlorine out. And to take it further, you really need to put a whole house water chlorination system on your house. So it takes the chlorine out of all your water in your house, and that's what I've done here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. It is definitely toxic to fish, and if it's toxic to them, it has it's to be toxic to, uh, toxic e- to us. Exactly. So we can that, just handle it in larger doses. Right, exactly. So that was that was failure number one. You had another one, I think, did you not? Uh, yes. We also have a small backyard flock of chickens, as uh-huh. you mentioned. And when we first got our chickens last year, we were newbies to raising chickens. We just uh-huh. knew we wanted fresh eggs every day. And uh, we had taken in a a pup that my sister found wandering around her property. Um, And she said, this dog has got to go. So we agreed to foster the dog until we could find a home for it. And being new chicken owners, we knew that you had to secure them from predators. What we didn't realize was that we brought the wolf to the chickens. And uh, we realized that everything loves chicken (laughs) as much as we love chicken. And we lost half of our flock. And it was because of stupid mistakes that we made just as new chicken owners, you know, right. forgetting to forgetting to lock the door to the chicken run. We we built them a very secure coop right. that had a nice run attached so they could come come and go as they pleased to their to their to the chicken coop. But uh, if you don't remember to lock the door, there's nothing that your chickens can do to protect themselves from right. a dog that really wants to eat them. Yeah. So it was that was a devastating yeah, loss, and I'm so sorry. you know to to not just and it was three separate occasions. So oh wow, to not just make one mistake, but then to make another mistake and another mistake. Yeah. 
after you go through that, it really is kind of traumatic to see the, the babies, you know, you've raised them from little yeah. tiny chicks into laying hens and to lose them that way. So yeah. um, just some really dumb mistakes that we've made. Needless to well, say, uh, we don't do that again. We've uh, put some security measures in yeah. place, and uh, we no longer have that pup in the backyard. We, d- yeah. we do have a pup, but... She stays in the house. We don't. We yeah. don't keep. Uh, we don't let the wolf in the backyard yeah, anymore. Exactly. So. Well, and, and you know, we recently discovered here at the Urban Farm. We're again right in the middle of the city, and we had right. a, bo- a bobcat take out some of our hens. Wow. I've been keeping amazing. hens here for twenty years, and there's never been a problem. So what what we're noticing here in Phoenix is that the the predators are coming yes. into the city even more. And so yes. I am a big big proponent of people locking up your chickens at night. Yes, we do lock ours up at night. We let them forage for a little bit and put them away at dark. And and we do have uh, some park trails, uh, walking trails and bike trails in our area that have wilderness areas around them that are kept that way. And we have seen bobcats. Uh, There's been reports of those. We do have possums and occasionally the Uh, raccoon. uh, And all of those things love to eat chickens and chicken eggs. Absolutely. So it is extremely important to have a strong enclosure for your chickens make sure your wire goes down beneath the level of the dirt so that they can't dig under and to just remember to make sure they're all locked up make sure you shut that run door and lock it before you go to bed for the night so a lesson hard learned yeah even really before it gets dark yes yes before it gets dark so what do you consider your biggest success i think our biggest success is just that you know, we, we gave it a shot. We we looked for something that excited us. We, you know, we learned about the aquaponics kind of on our own. We built our system from scratch. It, it's successful. And, you know, we've expanded that. You know, that to me is probably our biz, biggest mm. success as mm-hmm. urban farmers is just taking something that we knew nothing about and learning whatever we could learn about through scraps of information here and there. And we did it. We, you know, we finally got past that fear of, you know, that's why it took us a year to build it. We were afraid we would do it wrong. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. set something up, but we finally just took the plunge and did it, and it worked. We've had, you know, we made mistakes. We've had some failures, but we really made it work, and it really gave us the confidence to try some other things, you know, to try nice. the backyard chickens and, you know, to to continue to improve our soil garden. You know, if we can make it work with the aquaponics this way, let's see what we can do with our soil garden too yeah. so it, you know, that, that to me is a big success story for us to try something that we never would have never had even heard of and yeah. it worked and it worked amazingly well <laughs> so, pretty proud of that yeah and I can hear that in your voice that is just wonderful thank you so what drives you what drives me is you know for for my family personally to be self-sufficient to try to be to to live our lives in a sustainable way yeah to reduce our carbon footprint and that you know that all is very important but for me i've always been a big diyer i come from a family of of you know self-reliant people who who are problem solvers they're resourceful and so for me that all applies to how we grow our food too you know if i can do something myself i want to do it myself and i I don't want to rely on the grocery store for my food i walk through there and i see all of these processed foods and all of these boxes and these chemicals that are just killing us and you know slowly all the preservatives that are in our food i should live to be 500 years old with all the preservatives in my body and i just didn't want to do it anymore so i'm really driven 
by providing the healthiest food that I can for my family. And back to that 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 act of service and love to them by by doing this. You know, I've tried lacto-fermentation, and I've made some of my own cheeses, and we've made a lot of our own bread from scratch. And anything that I can make myself from from raw ingredients to me is such a driving force because it's so much better for my family. And even beyond that, I love to teach, and I really want to teach people how easy it is really to grow your own food and to do some of these things that, you know, seem so difficult. It's like, I could never do that. I could never have backyard chickens. <laughs> right. I can do it, even after our devastating losses, you can do it. You yeah. really can do it. It's just, you just have to look for the information. It's out there. And I just, I just really have a passion for teaching people how to do this and to inspire them to do it. Yeah. Wow. I can hear that in your voice so much. So, I am all about education, and I have to know, is there one or two books that have been really influential for you in your life? By far, the most influential book in my life is the Holy Bible. Mm -hmm. I came to know the Lord when I was a little girl, and His Word is what taught me. I wouldn't be who I am without it. It taught me how to live. It taught me how to treat other people. It taught me how to honor the God who made everything that is around us, you Uh know, I love gardening so much because when I'm in the garden, I feel close to my creator. Yeah. You know, life began in a garden. Man's first job was to tend the garden. And so, you know, my Bible, it influences every area of my life. And I still have a lot to learn from it. I don't think I could ever learn everything that there is to learn from it. Um, but I don't think I'd be the same person that I am yeah. without it. I know I wouldn't be. Yeah. It's just such an important part of my life. And, you know, regarding the urban farming and gardening in general, by far, I love Gaia's Garden. It is a wonderful book. I bought it for my husband um, this last Christmas. He'd requested a copy because we permaculture is another thing that we're really uh, trying to learn about oh, and yeah. to incorporate on our property. Just There's just, just such a wonderful way to garden. And so I bought this book for my husband. He's read it through twice. He just raved about how wonderful it is. So I've started reading it, and it really just is. It just will open your eyes up to see how we have been doing it all wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Nature set the perfect example for us. And, you know, it's all about being able to take the example that nature set and put it to work in our own backyards from you know, from water collection and, you know, channeling the the runoff from the rain and just how to grow in a way that mimics what nature does. It really is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I would advise them, don't be afraid to try it. You know, choose something that works for you in your situation. You know, you may not have any dirt. You may not have a lot of time. You may not have any extra money to put into this something. But there's really so many different things that you can do. Pick something that that excites you, that you're passionate about, that fits your needs. You know, evaluate where you are right now and choose something that meets those needs, whether it's a container garden on your apartment patio, there's so many things that you can grow just in containers. Tomatoes, they they make bush varieties of beans and things that, you know, varieties of all these different plants that were meant to be grown in containers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to do aquaponics, get a small system for your aquarium. You know, really, you, you don't need very much to get started. But, you know, don't feel like you have to do what everybody else is doing. 
just pick something that works for you and give it a shot. Try it and see if you like it. If you don't, do something else. And if you do, you may find that it just spurs you on to want to do more and more. But keep in mind, you don't have to do it all at once. That was the mistake yeah. I made. I wanted to try to do it all at once. I wanted to do, <laughs> make my own bread and make my own cheese and do all of the, um, the lacto-fermentation, and it really became kind of overwhelming. So pick one or two things and start with those and see where it takes you. Don't be afraid to, to, uh, to try. There's so many available resources at the library, at you know online, YouTube, blogs, you know, Urban Farm U. I mean, there's <laughs> so you. many places that you could go to learn how to do these things. Yeah. Pinterest, you know, <laughs> anything that you want to learn is so readily available at our fingertips. Yeah. And and join a gardening group. Meet other people. I've met so many wonderful people in the DFW Aquaponics Meetup group. That's how I got involved with some of the projects I'm in. And, you know, there's there's so many resources out there. Don't be afraid to try, and don't give up if you have a failure. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're also going to have successes, and as you have those, you, you know, failure is success. You're going to build on your skills. You're going to build on your knowledge base. You're going to build your confidence up, and then you'll be willing, you know, you'll want to go on and try other things. But yeah. Just give it a shot. There's nothing like picking that first tomato off the vine or that first cucumber and slicing it and putting salt on it and popping it into your mouth, and it's so juicy and sweet and amazing. You'll never yeah. go back to the store buy tomatoes. Oh, again. I know. So I just, know. just try it. Go for it. Give it a try and enjoy yourself along the way. Don't don't sweat it. Just enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Loretta. It has been thank a you, treat chatting with you. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah. you very much. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, they are more than welcome to email me. It's loretta.messinger at att.net. Perfect. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Thank you very much, Greg. You have a wonderful day. Absolutely. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. 
Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.